Good morning, everybody. We're having a family discussion there now with the stark realization that my son will be starting school this week and my wife won't be present for the first week. And so we're going to work out, we're, no, we're buying black books with a, with a label on and they'll get tuck shop for a week. And that's it. Welcome, my name's Anthony, one of the pastors here. Uh, this is your first time. Welcome to the rest of you. Great to see some faces back. Your holidays are officially over, people. School and all the parents are thanking Jesus for this thing called school. Am I right? Your bank accounts are happy. Your sanity is happy. And everything will go back to normal. And as my son goes, he and the rest of you go off to prison and uh, work out your time there. Um, we started worship, and I'll be honest, I walked in here this morning having prepared, don't worry, I prepared, but um, no one really knew what I was uh, preaching on, because it's that time of the year where people are away in that, and so I'll be honest, um, the word that came through, um, I uh, just with what Molly said of God's plan and what he has for 2024. And my title is, what's the plan for 2024? And so for you and us. And uh, so yeah, I'm standing here going, okay, Jesus is in control, thankfully, um, of this morning. And so my question this morning was, like, actually, if we look around and uh, you take a look at your point of view and your perspective, Often when you stand in January, you can feel a bit overwhelmed or uncertain or the, the things out there and you can feel a little bit unsettled and like, oh my goodness, what is happening or might happen or going to happen? And that can often be quite unsettling. And um, I found myself in that and, uh, position. But I want to share from a part of scripture this morning where Paul, writing to this church, um, helps them to see what God's plan is, not just for 2024, but for you and me. But a great encouragement, um, as I read it, and I hopefully that the Word of God encourages you, that actually, as we start this year, there are moments where you and I, even as individuals, but even as a church, that we can go, oh my goodness, what, what should, could, would. But as always, the Word of God comes and has this beautiful, settling effects on our hearts. There's two types of people in this world. Oysters, put your hands up if it's a yes for oysters. Hey? You don't eat oysters. Put your hand up if you don't, will not touch oysters. Yeah. Oysters are the kind of thing that there's no gray area. You either do or you don't. There's another category of people when crisis hit, like I'm saying, like an immediate crisis, let's say uh, and it, uh, something happens at home and there's an accident and there's blood or something like that. There's two types of people in this world. There's the person that loses their brains completely and literally runs around in a circle, looking busy, but actually if you watch the video afterwards, they accomplished nothing. And then there's the other one that's calm, collected, and saves lives. Between me and Chantel, who do you think is who? 
Okay? Oh, yes. There's two types of people. And so even like that, planning the year and in your life, why I say that is that often we forget to actually allow the Word of God to be that thing in our lives that is actually just consistent, calm, able to bring courage when courage is needed, able to bring tenderness, kindness when it's needed, as well as this morning, hopefully, courage when it's needed. So I'm going to work out of Ephesians 4. And we're going to look at this passage in the context of church, but how it brings us all under this, that, that, that umbrella and that our diversity as a people actually has a purpose. And so Paul writes in Ephesians 4, um, should be on the screen, and uh, I'm going to read it uh, from verse 7 to 16. However, he has given each of us a special gift through the generosity of Christ. That is why the scripture says, when he ascended to the heights, he led a crowd of captives, and he gave gifts to his people. Notice that it says he ascended. This clearly means that Christ also descended to our lowly world. And the same one who descended is the one who ascended higher than all the heavens, that he might fill the entire universe with himself. Now these are the gifts Christ gave the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and the teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak truth and love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly as each part does its own special work. It helps the others grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Ephesians is a great book. The first three chapters, I'm going to be very quick on this, so you'll have to kind of trust me. But the first three chapters of Ephesians is all about the riches of Christ what Christ has accomplished and what his glory, his holiness, his power has achieved. And that the, rich, the riches you and I as Christians that we have in Christ. And Paul has been unpacking this for three chapters. And at chapter four, he changes it and he kind of goes, that is what Christ has accomplished and his riches and that's what he has done for us. And as normal in the Bible, we see a word therefore, or in other ways, in light of the first three chapters, Paul now switches gears to say, this is the implications of that, guys. The riches of Christ, what it's accomplished for you and I, therefore, in light of that, he starts showing us what the actual practical imperatives of what that means for you and me. And so he says, he starts off that chapter 4. I'll just quickly read it. Therefore, a prisoner serving God, beg you to lead a life worthy of your calling, for you have been called by God. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults. Make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, 
So he started chapter 4 by saying, guys, in light of what God has accomplished and the riches that he gives to us and bestows on us, there's implications to that. Strive for unity. Strive for unity. Look always to assume the best of people. Not as the world teaches us to assume that everybody is um, against you. And so that's where he started. And in verse 7 he says, um, however, part of this riches that God has given, uh, achieved, or gained that he gives to us and bestows on us is that he gives us gifts. And how this works and what Paul's trying to show is that in those days, the image he's trying to paint is this, is that in those days, if a king went to war or went to battle and he won, he would return to his people in a parade and he, there would be on display all the riches and all the, 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 the uh, conquering, his conquering had achieved and he would, that would be bestowed on the people and be shown to the people. And he's painting that image of Christ. And Christ has won the battle, first, four, first three chapters. He's won this battle. He's an all-conquering, mighty, conquering God. In light of that, he calls us to unity. And not only that, he says, part of that victory, he dispenses, he gives gifts. And so he's not talking just purely to individuals. He's talking to this group of people. Paul's saying that like those gifts aren't just for you, it's for us, for unity's sake. And we need to understand he's not, um, he's writing to us as a group of people, not just, and we're going to see in a minute that Paul's also not talking about saving grace, that gift. He's actually talking about gifts that God bestows on each of us for the good of his glory and his bride, the church. He's talking about the grace to serve his church. Let's read it again. To each of us. He has given gifts. Each of us. If you're a believer and you understand your posture before God, that he is your savior and he is the only way to connect or close the gap between you and God, then the word of God, and Paul reminds us that each of you, each of us, is given grace, bestowed grace, which has this gifting to it. Every one of you. Every one of us that calls Christ king has this gift through his riches, through his glory, through his power, through his grace, given to us the victory won on the cross as he reigns in heaven through those riches he bestows a gift on me and you and so we see this beautiful picture that Paul's saying like guys part of God's plan has always been and continues to be that you and I seek unity with each other and that we understand that through him and him alone, he gathers us as people into his church in different ways and in different places 
but actually it's the same God pulling us all together. And as we marvel at that, we don't just marvel at that, we marvel at the fact that even that gift of salvation, he then also goes like, you know what? I need, I need other people. And, and each one of you is gonna gift, why? Because you know what? For unity's sake, every single one of you is gonna bring something. We're involved in the building of his kingdom. Often, I don't know about you, but you often, as a, a believer, maybe you've been around along, or even as a, as a leader, you kind of think, what, what difference am I making? And I don't think it's wrong to ask that question. I think in our humanness, we can go like, but Paul says it's because of the grace of God on us, we're able to serve each other and his church, his bride, because we're benefiting from what God has accomplished. His victory has translated into grace for you and I to serve him, to glorify him. What we do matters because to each one of us, he has given a gift. What you and I do matters. Church, Paul is going to go on to say, and as we read, is going to mature and be Christ, become more Christ-like through this process of us, you and I, being seeking unity and understanding that we all have a part to play in this. And so he writes, he continues to write to them, he says, so Christ gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for the works of service. Yeah, Paul is basically listing, not an exhaustive list, but basically of what leadership would have looked like in those days. And so I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on these categories, but to oversimplify it, apostles and prophets, these were kind of like the foundation layers of the church in his times, and by certain people, the apostles and that, and we have similar ways of doing that in our time, but so we have people with a, a apostolic gifting that are, have a gifting to be able to go to places and establish a church. They might not necessarily establish it and keep it and, and lead it, but they have this gift of being able to do that. There was a form of leadership of prophetic in those days where prophets were able to and gifted with the ability to pronounce things towards the people and allow them to understand what God's will was. We have something similar nowadays where people do have a gift of being able to help us hear God. It goes on to say that they are evangelists. These are the kind of people that would go around moving. Um, we would maybe call them itinerant preachers. I think that would be a good term of people that have this gift of being able to go to other churches and actually just um, preach the good news of God, the gospel. And then he also comes to a category of pastors and teachers that lead and establish or maybe uh, strengthen the local churches. And Paul's saying, listen, all of these are gifts from God. And so we see this picture, and I know some of you in the moment are saying, okay, that's convenient, you are a leader. <laughs> But there's fear and trepidation to this in other places in the Bible, so I say this humbly, but God is saying some, the gifts that I give you is not just towards yourself. I, I gift you with grace 
to serve and to glorify my bride and to build up my church. And some of that takes certain people being in these positions. And so we see, contrary to often what we see nowadays, is that any form of, let's call it leadership or slash authority, is pretty much pushed against. But God has this, this um, plan for 2024 where actually within his people, leadership, yes, there are cases where it isn't good, and that's the brokenness of man. But, but what Paul is reminding us that God has this thing called gifting of people that have to carry the weight of leadership. And it's their job, it goes on to going, that actually it doesn't stop there. It goes on to this thing that like everybody has a part to play in this. So Paul says, so Christ gave himself, gave himself, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Why? Verse 12 says, to equip his people for works of service. Every single believer in Christ has been given a gift of service or ministry. Every church should have some form of, well, leadership in place. But God says, listen, it doesn't stop there with those people. I've gifted every single one of you, every single one of us that are Christ followers, that are part of this community, have something to bring to glorify God and his bride. And so sometimes what's happened is that we can get a concept of church where it looks more like a bus than actually a family, where there's people on the bus and there's a driver, let's just say leadership, and they are the ones in front doing all the driving and people are sitting at the back. And Paul's trying to remind us, like, actually, that's not the picture we're trying to paint here. We're trying to paint a picture of this unified people. So God, through his riches, through his glory, gifts us individually. Some are gifted with leadership, but God continues to call all of us to play a part in this plan of his. See, and so everybody has their part. And and Paul says, we will grow into maturity and we will grow and accomplish and be a part of his plan for 2024 as a church when we continue to tap into the gospel allowing leadership to be there and then allowing them to equip us all to do what? To glorify his name and to grow and build each other up. And part of this that we really struggle with and, and is that we often, I find myself here, often underestimate our desperate need for this. What do I mean by that? Is that our desperate need for growth, for being, for what the Bible, what Paul's saying is maturing you, developing. You see, that word equip that is written here in English, the connotations, if you go look it up, is almost like I've got a few doctor friends, and for some reason they all um, talk, uh, let's use the word, harshly of the 
orthopedic, I think it is, the doctors that fix bones, yeah? fix bones that operate on your bones, they call them the mechanics, where they get the job where bone yeah, bone yeah, out of alignment, and you go, <coughs> and you make right. That's the images of Paul's writing. He's using a word to describe actually something's not right, and so you realign it and you make good. Like a doctor would a joint or something else. Bring it back to where it should be. And Paul's writing us saying, guys, the gift that God bestows on us, there's gifts to everybody, and some of those people are gifted with leadership in different roles and different ways. But the aim of that is to bring back into place what needs to be put back into place for all of us to serve. Not for them to do all of that, but to work hard and be diligent and humble to be the people that help you and I to come back to where we should be. And that's a struggle for us. I'm uh, having to have a few discussions with Zach, my boy, he's 10, of helping to see, and if you've had kids, you understand this discussion, where you have to help them see this concept that mom, dad, if they're siblings, bank accounts, environment, all of those things, that they're not, yeah, and everything is <laughs> revolving, okay? That every day they wake up and this universe has been put into place to fulfill their needs. Their needs of 24-hour entertainment, 24-hour food, snacks, whatever it is. I'm making light of it, but there's, there's a thing in us. And at 10 years old, those discussions are good and appropriate. And, and you workly so. But when we're 30, 30 is oh, young to me, 20, <laughs> 25, the problem comes in when at 20, 25, 30, you're still waking up every morning and you think this. Because that's how we, left to our own devices, that's what we naturally do. We assume that all of this, church, whatever, has been put into motion for me to be there. And that's unaligned. And so the role of leaders, the gift of leadership is that they work diligently to help all of us, even themselves, each other, to bring it back, saying, actually, what this all about, the grand plan of God for the last 2,000 years and 2024, the courage we get from that, security we get from that, it hasn't changed, is that he calls us to bring our gifts in different ways that we can become back to where we should be. And we often trip ourselves up by this, making daft decisions or, or, or silly little adjustments in our head going, okay, no, 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 this, this, this isn't for me, this growing in church community. Someone upset me or something. I'm not trying to make light of those, but you understand, we trip ourselves up with this. And so... That's often hard for us to understand in 2024 that leadership is, good, is a good thing. 
It's from God. And so I also want to pause here for a second and go often at this point, some people, a lot of people, will sit there and go, yeah, but I, I don't know what my gift is, so that's why I don't do this. At no point in Ephesians does Paul prescribe that. That you better know what your deal is in order to serve. We have mechanisms and tools to find that out. They're helpful. I'm not saying they're not. But what Paul's saying is like, actually, the grace of God that he gives to you, that he's bestowed on you, you don't have to question it's been given. You have it. The only requirement is that you're the type of person that steps forward and goes, okay, where can I? Who can help me? Put me somewhere. Help me discover that. Help me bring what, I, what God has put in me to this body. The emphasis that Paul's making is actually our only thing we bring and can bring is that I bring my heart, if not my time and my resources, and I step forward and I go, I understand the riches of God, what he's conquered, what he's accomplished, and the blessing of my, the gift of salvation. Not only that, the gift that he's put on me, Anthony, or Gareth, or Frank, or I'm going to go around the whole room. But I start understanding it and understand that I've got a part that this doesn't work without me. It's less than. It's not there. It's a little bit out because he's put me here. We're all called to ministry, to live our lives, to bring our gifts, all to help each other be aligned, to be made right, to become more Christ-like. It's been the plan of God for his people and the church since this letter was written. And it continues in 2024. I hope that despite some of the things that you might be going, there's this, uh, this underlying secure foundation and courage for 2024 as we allow this to settle in our hearts and minds going like, actually, Things might happen, could happen, that's unknown. But I do know this, that I'm part of God's plan. He has a plan. It's unchanging. It's unshakable. He's unshakable. And because he's given me this beautiful gift of being a part of this, I stand secure in my identity, in those things. Regardless of circumstances, this thing is unchanging in my life unchanging in my life. Circumstances change. Things might get real. But you know what? I wake up and I realize that I'm a part of his church. I'm a part of his glory. I'm a part of his kingdom. And I have the privilege, the honor, and the gift, if not responsibility, to go, I need to work that out somewhere. And if this is your church, I'm asking you to hear God saying, this is where you work it out this year. See, solo Christianity just doesn't work. I've been around long enough. I sound like a grumpy boomer, I think they called. I'm not one. I refuse. I'm a Gen Xer. 
But solo Christianity just doesn't work. I haven't seen it work in being here a long time. I just haven't seen it work where someone's soul, identity, life is not perfect. It's not easy. It's not just bliss in the walk, but their soul is secure. Their identity is secure. Their relationship with God is secure when it's done in this isolation, if not randomness of And hear me out, I'm not talking about attendance, I'm talking about this randomness of just flowing and not understanding that your role is specific at Common Ground Durbanville. Something's been gifted to you that the people in this room need. For what end? To be unified and to grow more Christ-like. feels like I'm taking very long. He then goes on to say, why? Why would this be important, guys? Why would God say to us through his word, through Paul, saying, you know what? Because of what God has accomplished, through his riches, through his glory, you've been saved. You have the gift of salvation. That's on an individual level. Not only that, he brings us together, a really a bunch of weird people. Look around this room. Look. In the natural world, 50% of us wouldn't be here. Probably not, probably more. Do some of the, the maths and equations of what the world teaches you, what the world tries to put in you when you're at the center. Think about it. Look around this room right now. And this is a miracle of God's grace. How on earth would this group of people be gathered? For what reason? Sports? I know some of you. No chance you got the ability to be in my sports team. I'm not going to point you out because I'm aiming for unity. Physical prowess, again. That's 80% of you gone. (laughs) Looks, 98% of you gone. (laughs) Education, money, finances, personality, what you're good at, what you're interested in. According to the world, we should have, what, 60, 70 little groups? And look at us. We stand here by the grace of God, saved by this unshakable God, unshakable word. And not only that, he says, you know what? I'm going to give you all a gift that only you can do. Not for your sake, not for your sake, because it's about you, but because I gathered you like this, miracle one in itself, Miracle two, you've got a a part to play. For what end? That we might become more like Christ. Because newsflash, I don't know about you, but left to your own devices, I don't seem to fall into holiness. I don't. You can try it on a Monday, till, but by Wednesday, sorry, we don't fall into holiness. We don't seem to be attracted to holiness. 
That's what I said earlier, desperate need. We lie to ourselves if we think we're in the right place. But God is gracious. So he doesn't leave you by yourself because he knows you. You know yourself. The biggest lie in your life is you. And so left to my own devices, I remain like this. But God's goodness says, no, no, you don't stay there. Gift of salvation, yes. But the beauty of God is that he goes, not only save, but I want to work in you slowly but surely your whole life aligning you back to what you should be. My son and my daughter. Maturing. Verse 14 goes, we will no longer be immature like children. And I want to just say that, like I said earlier, conversation about trying to be the center of the world at 10 is appropriate. But what Paul is saying is that actually that conversation needs to change over time. So for, for a second, don't think just because you, you've moved from that conversation, you're sorted. This is a lifelong journey of sanctification. So here's my point. You need this the whole of your life. The whole of your life. In every season, out of every season, single, single for life, married, one year married, 30 year married, 40 year married, God's goodness puts us in here. We don't ever graduate from needing this. We're no longer like children. We won't be tossed and blown about by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever they sound like the truth. Why the unity? Why the gifts? Why the leadership? Why the equipping? Why the making right? So that we wouldn't feel like we're getting tossed to and fro in 2024. Because outside of this, if you look at 2024, what else do you do but go, I don't know if any of you have genuinely been in a boat in a serious, in like a serious boat trip. I was about 13, 14, went to visit family in George, and my uncle is a, is a fisherman, and he had a little boat, little boat, called Scully. That's going to give you the premise of my uncle. His name's Scully. Well, boat was probably built in 1920. And we go down to fish, and we go out into Mossel Bay, and we're fishing, and a weather warning comes to say, listen, you know, the weather's going to turn bad, nasty. Now, in recollection, my father's with me, and we're on this boat, and my dad makes a comment like, boats are going back. We don't seem to be going back. No, 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 it'll be fine. I'm just going to fast forward. At some point in the journey back, I've been strapped with rope to the one part of the boat because this thing is going. And I am terrified as a 13 or 14-year-old, having to be tied to a boat, scully. <laughs> Journey back, that should have taken 15, 20 minutes, took an hour because of that. 
it wasn't fun. It was unsettling. It was unnerving. And Paul's painting a picture, you know what, guys, without this 2024 and your life, feels like that. Feels like you're just getting tossed around when you're, you haven't got that security of God as your foundation of what Paul's been talking about now. Why all of this stuff? Because you know why? Without it, we feel like we're just getting swished all over the place. What do I believe? Where do I go? Uh, reading multiple books and this, 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 and podcast and all of that. In the meantime, Paul's saying, actually, what's good for your soul is understanding the gift of God of your salvation, and not only that, the gift of God to you to come and put yourself in a community, in a church, work out your gifting, allow people to work out their gifting, and sometimes there's this, but you know what? In the end, what's happening is your soul and your heart and your life is slowly getting put back to what it should be, not tossed to and fro. goes on to say that not only that, but it's, it helps us and it prevents us from being deceived. Now, there's people in that deceiving, but the underlying thing is, I don't know about you, but I've said it before, the deceit of the enemy is often not pitchfork and, and bad luck, boogie-boogie stuff. I don't know about you, but I find that it's all too often these slow creeps, these slow little pulling on you, pulling you back. This deception. It's the culture, value systems that get fed to you. And slowly but surely, you get deceived into assuming that actually this is the point. Or actually this needs to be my focus. Or actually I don't have time for this. Because if I give that time, my job or my this, like if I don't give this my 100% attention, things are going to go bad. And slowly but surely... Paul's saying you need to prevent that. The way you prevent that is within this community. Not being deceived. Not staying small. Not falling for every old trick in the book when it comes to not allowing the word of God to guide you. Not allowing um, what we've just spoken about, these gifts of leadership, gifts of community, gifts of aiming for unity to work in your life. And so what's keeping us from us in 2024 or in the past? What's keeping us from this, what Paul's reminding us about? To put it bluntly, Christ has done his part and continues to do his part. So he's kind of not on the list if we're honest with ourselves. One, going to put myself up on the the stand and say, leadership, like I said, leadership can disappoint. Leadership can get things wrong. And so one, it could be the leadership that we need to adjust things to not, to not stop people working out their gifts, but get better at that. But number two, if we're honest with ourselves and all of us in this category, the busyness of life, competing demands, like I said, career, education, finances, 
personal choices in life. Bottom line is that Paul reminds us that everyone has a gift. Everyone has a part to play in this. And it's going to take every single one of us to be a part of this in 2024. So I want to encourage us this morning and allow the Word of God to encourage you. Maybe you need to pray about this. Maybe you need to spend some time in the Word of God. Maybe you need to chat to somebody. Maybe you need to chat to your life group leader or someone in your life group that you've got a good relationship. You may not, like I said earlier, know even where to start about working out this gift. But I guarantee you that God, who we sang about, who we worshipped, who the Word of God reminds us what He accomplishes, what He has done, the riches of His victory. When you and I do pray or seek or talk and come to the place where you go, actually, I'm going to step forward into this. I guarantee you that God is faithful. God is kind. God is merciful. And God allows this to develop in your life that actually, like I said, to end. 2024, there will be circumstances. But the underlying thing in our hearts will be that I understand who I am, understand that I'm God's, understand that his son and his daughter, and he has a plan for me for 2024. to grow in becoming more and more like him. And the way that it works out to my life is that I find myself in a community where I allow people to work out their gifting as I work out my gifting. And slowly but surely through 2024 and the rest of your life, we start becoming what we should be. And we're no longer infants. We don't get tossed around by things so easily. We're not so easily deceived by the things of the world. And to what end? Paul writes to what end? He says, instead, instead of being deceived and falling to all of that, because of our our, our our stepping forward into those giftings and understanding our place in this church. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church, because he makes this work. Not just you and your gift, not just the leaders and their gift, but he makes this work. What we do is we open up our hands and we say, yeah, we go, God, I fully understand my posture before you. I fully understand that actually when I take time and I step back out of that tossing and throwing and where I've been and what I've been thinking, if not for 10 years of your life to 60 years of your life, that I've incorrectly assumed that this has been set up for me. And actually I realize that actually you've gifted me with something. Not just salvation, but you've gifted me with something that I bring to these people. I stand in wonder that I can be secure in what I'm going to achieve this year. I stand secure in understanding that these people are put around in my life and I'm put in their life too 
display you to these people. We're no longer infants tossed to, we're not deceived. Instead, speaking the truth in life, we will in all things grow up to him, to be like him. And we are part of a healthy body. I'm going to ask the band and Gareth to come up. I'm just going to close in prayer quickly. I've just asked you to come up because it takes you 10 minutes to. Let's stand. Or oh, do you want them to be standing? Hold on. Father God, I thank you this morning for your word. It's a reminder through your word, God, that actually has your sons and daughters. This year might, will hold various things for, for everybody. It's not certain when we are living in a, a broken world, things are uncertain often. But I thank you for the courage this morning as we allow your word to work in our hearts that go like, actually, despite that, I've been brought into a family, I've been adopted into this family by Jesus Christ and what he's accomplished on the cross. I've been given the gift of salvation. Not only that, he's gifted me with something. And that something allows me to work out my gift in something that is completely unshakable. Unshakable, God. Your church stands in 2024. This world has been through more and more... More things than just 2024, more uncertainties. But your church stands because it's unshakable, because you are unshakable. You are victorious, God. And so we stand with hope in our hearts, with courage in our hearts, saying, actually, I'm a part of your plan, God. And, and despite circumstances, I understand that you are my king, you are my God. And that uh, you've put me in in a community, in a church, you've put me within your bride to work out the things that need to be worked out of my heart. You've given me the gift to work and you've given people gifts to work through my life. And that fills my heart with courage and stability and consistency and faithfulness. We thank you for that, God.